I've told you that I'm, I'm speaking to you out of the crucible of my own experience. I've just been through a major storm, and I'm still somewhat in it, but it's getting better. And I've always preached out of whatever the Holy Spirit was dealing with me about. And so this whole storm series is coming straight out of my heart. And I know that it's for you because people experience storms on this planet. Not rainstorms, spiritual storms that threaten your house, threaten your mind, threaten your body, threaten your uh, what you value most. Storms attack what we care about. Now, two weeks ago, we read from the same story, and the disciples in this story are about to have their faith tested. They didn't know it. Jesus knew it because he's never surprised by anything. He knows the end from the beginning. But they didn't know it. They got in the boat with him, and he starts across the sea. And he knows full well when he lays down to go to sleep in the boat that a storm is going to hit. So he's not taken back by it. That's why I say all the time, God never says, well, I'll be. He's never surprised. The storm you're in, he saw it coming. The trial you're experiencing, he knew it was going to arrive. So the important thing is not what you're going through, but how are you responding to what you're going through? How are you responding to it? Are you responding to it with faith or fear? With doubt or with courage? How are you responding to the storm that's that's battering your life? Jesus said the wind will blow, the rain will fall, the floods will beat against the house of your faith. And how do you respond to it? How are you dealing with it? Or is it dealing with you? Now I'm going to show you today that when this storm struck, these disciples were totally taken off guard. Their frail faith evaporated, and they really panicked, freaked out, yielded to fear, and they lost their victory. Now, I want to talk to you about what they did wrong, because what they did wrong is is so easy for all of us to do. I've done it a million times, and, and so have you, but we need to hear this word today. We need to hear a word from God today. I want to show you what they did wrong, and then I want to show you what they later did right, because they did learn, and they did grow. Now, the first thing they did wrong, here comes this storm. Major, major tempest struck their boat. Winds howling, waves pouring into the boat. They think, this is it, it's over. Uh, 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 We're going down. This is going to take our life. This is our last day on the planet. How come Jesus didn't tell us about this? Where's Jesus? Well, he's asleep. Now, here's the mistake they made. The first mistake they made was they fellowshiped with their storm. Now, I want you to think about that with me for a moment. They fellowshiped with their storm. Now, in order to fellowship with somebody... You've got to listen to them, and you've got to talk to them. It's a communion thing. You're going back and forth. You're fellowshipping. You're talking to somebody, and you are listening to somebody. There is communion. There is relationship going on. There is a back and forth, a give and take when there is fellowship. To fellowship means we're relating to somebody. We're communicating with them. We're listening to them and responding to them. That's fellowship. Whatever you're fellowshipping with has your ear, your attention. 
your focus, whatever you're fellowshipping with. That's the way it is in marriage, the way it is in friendships, the way it is in church fellowship. Now, you know, when you read uh, up on the word fellowship in the Bible, it's all through the Bible, different kinds of fellowship that you and I can have, relating back and forth, talking and listening, communicating with, communing with, relating to. It's many times in the Bible, we're, we're called to have fellowship with one another. That's why it's so much better to be in church than watching on streaming video. Hi, streaming video. Hi, I'm not saying anything against you. I know you couldn't be here. But if you could be here, you should be here. But, but I'm so glad you're watching there in your living room. Everybody say hi. I'm so glad streaming video is growing, and I thank God for it. But listen, listen, you can't touch an image. You can't ask an image to pray for you. You can't tell an image, hey, I'm really going through it. Please agree with me in prayer. I'm so glad we've got streaming video because I hear so many testimonies from it. But the, the best thing is to be here if you can be here. Forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together, as the habit of some is. But, but here's the deal. The Bible says we're to fellowship with God's children. We're to fellowship with one another. It says, if John says, if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So we're to encourage one another when we come together to meet in church. That's what local church is all about. Local church is so that we will come together and not judge each other, not condemn each other, not point a finger at each other, but encourage one another and lift one another up. And so much the more as we see Jesus' return approaching. We need a fellowship. We need to one another, one another. But we also, and I love this, we have fellowship with Jesus himself. The Bible says we can fellowship with the Son of God. He's not just an idea. He's not just a philosophy. He's just not some historical figure way back there in the first century. No, he is a living person who we fellowship with now. It says, therefore, it says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of the Son, of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. We're called to fellowship with him. I, I talked to Jesus this week. What about you? How many of you can say, I talked to Jesus this week? Amen? And you're not talking to an idea. You're not talking to just somebody in the past. You're talking to somebody who lives in your heart, who hears you and responds back to you. He's a person. But it gets even better. We also have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. It says, therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy. In another place, Paul said, the communion, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. I pray that the Holy Spirit's fellowship is with your spirit. I don't know how people do it without the Holy Spirit anymore. I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the communion of the Holy Spirit. He's talked to me this week. He has given me peace this week. He has strengthened me this week. He has upheld me this week. He has guided me this week. He has encouraged me this week. Thank God for the Holy Spirit of God. Can we just say together, thank God for the Holy Spirit and thank God for the fellowship of Jesus Christ. And he fellowships with us via the Holy Spirit and through his word. 
But you know what? As I read the Bible even further, I see that it doesn't even have to be a person you're fellowshipping with. We fellowship with one another. We fellowship with Jesus. We fellowship with the person of the Holy Spirit. But it doesn't even have to be any of that. Paul says, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Now, I want you to get that. You can fellowship with works that are dark. You can have fellowship because you're communicating with them. They're communicating with you. They are giving you a message. They are teaching you. They are, they are communicating something to you, the works of darkness. And our, our culture is filled with the works of darkness. And Paul says to believers, don't fellowship with dark works, but expose them. Expose them. That's something I'm supposed to do up here. I'm supposed to stand up here and literally expose the works of darkness. But, you know, you can sit in your living room with that one-eyed monster in your living room and all the furniture is turned towards it. And if you're not careful, that thing will minister to you and teach you and communicate to you the works of darkness. And if you're not careful, you will fellowship with the works of darkness via the television. Got real quiet right there. Some of you winced when I said that. Because you've been sitting there at times watching that TV and the Holy Ghost has said to you, turn it off. You're fellowshipping with the works of darkness. And you know that you can even fellowship with demons? Listen to this, 1 Corinthians 10, 20. The things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. Now, he's talking to the Corinthian church here. Catch the last part of this verse. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. Hmm. That's the word of God. He's telling believers, don't have fellowship with demons. How do you do that? By fellowshipping with works of darkness. So we are, we are called to be set aside unto God, sanctified unto him, and seek whatever is true, the Bible says, honest, just, pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good report. If there's any virtue and any praise, think fellowship with on these things, Philippians 4, 8. Fill your mind with good stuff. Get good and brain washed. Come on, everybody. There's a bad kind of brainwashing and there's a good kind of brainwashing. When I open up the Bible and I read it every morning, I am washing my brain. I walk out the door good and brainwashed. Now, catch this. If we can fellowship with God and we can fellowship with the Lord Jesus and we can fellowship with the Holy Spirit, all people, and on the dark side, we can fellowship with the works of darkness and even demons then we can certainly also fellowship with a storm, an inanimate thing, but it's bringing a message to us. We do this. You say, well, how can I fellowship with a storm, Jeff? Here's how you do it, by listening to it, by agreeing with it, and by allowing it to rule your emotions. See, when I look at these disciples, all of a sudden this storm hits. Who had control of them? Did Jesus have control of them? Not at all. What had control of their emotions? The storm. What were they listening to? The storm. What were they communicating with? The storm. And there sat Jesus right in the boat, but they weren't communicating with him. They weren't talking to him. They were not in communion with him. They turned all of their focus and all of their attention onto the storm. And we do that so 
easily. They, they were listening to this storm. That storm had a message for them. And your storm has a message for you. That's what I'm wanting us to get today. Storms talk. They communicate. And they tell us things. They said to Jesus, Lord, we are perishing. Now let me ask you a question. Where did they get that message? Where did they get the notion that they were perishing? They got it from their storm. That's what their storm was telling them. Their storm was telling them, you're going down for the last time. You're not going to make it to the other side. You're not going to fulfill the destiny that you set out to fulfill. You are not going to arrive. You're going down in the middle of your journey. This is it. It's curtains for you. This is your tombstone right here. And that's what storms tell us. Storms talk to us. And some of you are listening to a storm and you haven't been aware that you're listening to the voice of the storm instead of the voice of your Lord. They they said, Lord, emphatically, we are perishing. And was that true? Was what they said true? I'm going to answer my own question. No, it was not true. It was not true. You know why it wasn't true? Because Jesus was in their boat with them. Jesus was in the boat. And when Jesus is in your boat, you're going to get to the other side of where he's taking you. Storms may come and storms may hinder, but Jesus is going to get you to the other side of what you set out to go to, what you set out to travel to. He is going to complete and perfect that which concerns you. Faithful is he who calls you, who also will do it. But look at what they're listening to. They're listening to the storm. Lord, we are perishing, but it wasn't true at all. They were speaking the message of the storm instead of the message of their faith. Now catch this, because how you respond to your storm is going to decide how quickly you come out. See, if you listen to your storm and you agree with your storm and you you let your storm take you down, you just gave in to defeat. You just gave in to the wrong voice. Don't listen to the storm. Listen to the voice of God. Let me, let me, let me just say this today. Remember I said this. Put, make this a refrigerator sticker. In your storm, if you're listening, Jesus is talking. He's talking. He's talking to you. There's two voices going on, the voice of your storm and the voice of God. The storm was talking to these disciples, and they were listening. And not only did they listen, they agreed with the storm. They said to Jesus, we are, emphatically, without doubt, beyond argument, we are perishing, Lord. They were convinced the storm's message was true. What about you today? You have a marital storm. You have a financial storm. You've got a temptation storm. And the enemy is coming against you, and you feel so weak, and you feel so defeated. And the storm is telling you, you're going down in the middle of the sea. You are not going to make it to the other side. You are not going to complete what you set out to do. Listen, I came today with a word from God to tell you, don't listen to the voice of your storm. Listen to the voice of God. So the second thing I learned here is that the voice of your storm never agrees with the voice of God. It doesn't. They are two. They are diametrically opposed. The voice of the storm and the voice of God. Storms deliver a message that does not align with God's promises. 
And this principle is all through the Bible. When the 12 spies, let me give you an example. When the 12 spies, uh, Moses gathered them together, they've been traveling 40 years. This, this hurts me every time I preach this because they had been through 40 years of hell, 40 years of training, 40 years of failure and, and, and getting up again and failure and getting up again and, and living on manna and, and just believing for the day that they approached the Jordan and crossed the other side into the land of milk and honey. And they got there and just over yonder, they can see across the Jordan, the promised land. And Moses said, okay, I want 12 of you, 12 of you to go over and spy it out. 12 went over, spies to spy out the promised land. And the Bible says that when the 12 spies went over, 10 of the 12 listened to the storm instead of the voice of God. They focused on the storm of the swarm of giants that they saw. And they brought a report back to Moses. You know what they brought back to Moses and the people? The message of the storm and not the message of God. You know, I'm so particular in what I, 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 who I let speak into my life because I want somebody speaking into my life, not what the storm is saying, but what God is telling me in the storm. You got to be very careful who you let speak into your life because well-meaning people will bring to you the message of the storm instead of the message of God and help bring you down. I want somebody who's got the message of God. But, but these, these 10, <clears throat> 10 of the 12 came back and here's what they said. We even saw giants there. The descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and what, that's what they thought about us, too. They thought we looked like grasshoppers. They allowed the enemy to define them. I don't let any enemy define me. I let Jesus define me. I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved me. I, they allowed the enemy to call them grasshoppers instead of mighty men of God. I don't let anybody define me but the word of God and Jesus himself. Follow me, and I'm going to make you fishers of men. Follow me, and I'm going to make you to become what I want you to be. I am not a grasshopper. I'm a man of God, walking with God. I'm a child of the king. I will not allow somebody else to define me. But this is the, the, the word they brought back. And now listen, because they had <clears throat> fellowship with the storm, they brought the false message of the storm back to the people. And I want you to listen to what they said. This is so bad. They said, we are not able. Those are the four deadliest words in the English language. What does the Bible say? I can do all things. I can do. I can do. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But what did they say? We're not able. We're not able to go against this people for they are stronger than we. That was the message of the storm. But Joshua and Caleb had not fellowship with the storm. They were instead fellowshipping and agreeing with the promises of God and the God of the promises. And so they brought back a message of faith. I love what they said. Don't fear them. Can we say together, don't fear the enemy? Say, don't fear the storm. Now look what they went on to say. The Lord is with us, I'll tell you. Let Jesus tell me he's with me and I can run through any troop. I can leap over a wall. I can go through any valley. I can climb any mountain. I can pass through any burning, fiery oven. I'll go up against a thousand devils if Jesus is with me. If Jesus is with me. The Lord is with us. 
I love this next part. They shall be food for our consumption. We're going to eat them alive. Their protection, I like this, their protection has departed from them. The the protection that might have been on the enemy, it's gone. They're saying the Lord is with us. We've got protection, but the protection on the enemy is gone. We're going to take them. We're going to defeat them. And that wasn't the message of the storm. That was the message of the promise. That was the message of God. Tragically, the people listened to the 10 men who were fellowshipping with their storm, and the whole nation lost its destiny. Remember Job's wife? Here's Job. Job is under it. Man, he is being, uh, everything has gone wrong. The only thing that hadn't happened is he hadn't lost his life. But watch this. He hadn't lost his life, but everything else, he lost his kids, his house, his reputation, his health, and his wife comes up to him. And his wife said, curse God and die. You know what that was? That was the message of the storm. That's what the devil wanted to say to Job. And his wife, not thinking about it, I know she was under it too, but she picked up on the message of the storm instead of the message of God. If she had been listening to God, she would have said, honey, I know this is bad, but we are going to get through to the other side and God's going to double bless us for what we've been through. If she had been listening to God. And you know what he said to her? You're talking like a foolish woman. Don't talk to me out of the storm. Talk to me out of the promises of God. Is anybody hearing me today? I mean, this is really, so many of you, you're you're driving down the highway, you're fellowshipping with your storm. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Everything's going wrong. All these things are against me. I'm going to lose this. I'm going to lose that. And yep, there's no doubt about it. I'm going down for the last time. And you're sitting there agreeing with the voice of your storm. Stop it. This is spiritual warfare we're in. In Elisha's day, the king of the Syrians sent a huge troop of soldiers to capture Elisha. He was sick of Elisha, always giving away what he was going to do. So he sent a huge troop. Listen to what it says. He, the Syrian king, dispatched horses and chariots, an impressive fighting force, and they came by night and surrounded the city. Bad. There was Elisha and his servant. That's it, Gehazi. Two men, Elisha and Gehazi. And then you've got a huge Syrian army surrounding you. The dark, stormy cloud of enemy troops, vastly outnumbering Elisha and his one lone servant, were speaking to them, saying to them, this is it. You're going down. I've got you. I've found you. I'm going to take you captive, and I'm taking you out, Elisha. That would have been the message of the storm. Early in the morning, the servant of Elisha got up and went out, and behold, horses and chariots were surrounding the city, and the young man exclaimed, O master, what shall we do? That's an echo of, Lord, save us. We perish. I love Elisha. Elisha's servant was listening to the storm, but Elisha was listening to God. Look at what he prayed for him. He said, don't worry about it. Can we try that today? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. He said, but Jeff, if you knew my stuff, you'd be worrying. No, don't worry about it. Listen, I was raised in a family of warriors. I had an aunt that if you didn't want to worry about it, you could call her in New York and she'd worry about it for you. 
Seriously. She was a terrible warrior. Anytime you talk to her, she just, oh, this and oh, that, and playing the violin, I stayed away. I just prayed for her. Now, he said, don't worry about it. There is more on our side than on their side. Then Elisha prayed, God opened his eyes and let him see what I see. And the eyes of the young man were open, and what did he see? A wonder. The whole mountainside was full of horses and chariots of fire surrounding Elisha. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They were seeing angels surrounding the man of God. And you know what he did? He said, Lord, take care of this army that has come against me. And God struck them all with blindness, and he led all of them into captivity. The servant was fellowshipping with the storm, but Elisha was fellowshipping with God and with the word of God. What are you doing today? Are you listening to your storm or are you listening to God? Has your storm got you down? Has your storm got you intimidated? Has your storm got you full of fear? I came today to preach that off of you. That's not what God wants for you. He has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And you're going through. You're not going down. You're going through. You're not going down in defeat. You're going through in victory. You're going to get to the other side because he's in your boat. So the last thing I want to just note here is that what we fellowship with is a choice we make in the storms of life. If you fellowship with the storm, you position yourself for defeat because the storm is always going to talk you down. It's always going to talk you out. It's always going to defeat you with its threats. But if you fellowship with Jesus, he's always going to tell you something that buoys your faith. A word, an anchor in the storm. An old sea captain once said, during the fiercest storms, the only way a ship can survive is to keep its nose pointed straight into the wind. And then he explained why. If you try to turn to the left or to the right, the ship may capsize because of the wind. If you try to run from the wind, the waves can surge over the stern. The only way through is into it. Run towards the roar. Point your faith towards God. Because the same principle works in the storms of life for every believer here. Whenever you're in a storm, don't turn away from God. I I know so many people... They get into a bad storm and they say, you know, I don't know why God let this happen. I'm out of here. And they run from God. The only problem is whenever you arrive where you're running to, he's there waiting for you. Instead, you go through a storm by pointing your faith straight toward him and seek his face. When David was afraid, he said, when I'm afraid, I will trust in you. He pointed his faith toward God. When he was disquieted, when his soul was troubled, he said, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted and troubled within me? Hope thou in God. There he goes, pointing his faith towards God. Hope thou in God, for I will yet praise him. He's going to come through for me. He's not going to leave me in this. I will yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. So when he was disquieted, He turned his faith toward God. When he was afraid, he turned his faith toward God. When he was in trouble, 
He said, in the day of my trouble, I will call upon you, for you will answer me. In every situation, fear, trouble, disquieted, he turned his faith, pointed his faith toward God. The Bible reveals that the disciples learned their lessons well, and I love this. In our text, they're panicking. Peter crying out, we're perishing, totally freaking out in the storm. Jesus sleeping peacefully in the storm, in the stern of the ship. But later, we find a different Simon Peter. He's been arrested. The apostle James has already been killed by a sword at Herod's order. Persecution is storming the church. And now Peter's in a dungeon holding cell, awaiting the next day where he very likely too is going to be killed. That's what the storm is saying. The storm is saying, you're done. James is done. You're next. That's the message of the storm. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, it says Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Picture that. But look at him. What's he doing? Is he going, oh, no, oh, no. How did I get into this? I shouldn't have preached so hard. Oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. How am I going to ever get out of this? How, how will I survive this? I'm going down. This is it for me. Oh, no, Lord, help me. Is that what he's doing? He's sleeping. And he didn't have Excedrin PM. He didn't have NyQuil. He didn't have Valium. He didn't have anything. Listen, he's asleep in the storm. Just like his master. Simon Peter, I'm so glad you're so real in the Bible. I'm so glad it shows us your denial, your mistakes, your frailties, because now I see that God worked on that man and worked on that man, and the one that freaked out years before in a storm is now asleep, two guards on either side, Asleep in the storm, just like his master. Can we stand together today? You know why he was asleep in the storm? Because he wasn't fellowshipping with the storm. He was fellowshipping with Jesus. What are you listening to today? The voice of your storm or the voice of your Lord? If you will take a moment, we're going to do it right now. Get quiet, turn your faith and eyes towards the Lord. You'll find he's saying this, peace be still. Peace be still. I'm Lord over your storm. You and I are going to make it to the other side. You're going to get there. Because I'm in the boat. How many of you can say, I know that's true. How many of you are in a storm right now? If you're in a storm, would you raise your hand? If you're in a storm, lots of people. Let's pray together, Father.